One theme, 13 Screams. 13 Degrees of Screams podcast dissects your favorite horror movies. Each season, we will cover 13 movies around one theme. We will discuss the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies and tell you just how scary they are. With your host, Alex and Stephanie, join us as we dive deeper into the degrees of screams. Hey everybody, I'm Josh. And I'm Brett. If you're looking for a different horror podcast, one that stands out from the rest, well, don't look here. <laughs> Absolutely not. Every week we talk about our favorite horror movies and some of our favorite aspects of those horror movies. So that's something that interests you? Check us out. The only thing that sets us apart is that it's us. So if you like the sound of our voices, check us out at the Evil Death Podcast, wherever it is that you find podcasts. Hello, this is Hannah. And this is Matt Hannah. And this is Horror Hour with the Hannahs. Where we discuss all your favorite scary movies. This is a new podcast where we will talk about our experiences watching some of our favorite, least favorite, and some brand new horror movies. We'll cover crowd favorites, like The Conjuring, polarizing films like The Witch, and even some movies that we love to hate on. We'll even bring on some of our friends to complete this journey with us, including our resident scaredy cat sidekick and our professional actor pal. Tune in on Wednesdays, where we will release episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube on a weekly basis. Happy hauntings! the 37th episode of the horror lab where we dissect the best in horror movies each and every week i'm your co-host will and alongside me i've got my co-host chris guys we're doing a heck of a crazy movie in this episode what you don't realize before we jump into that is that this is the second go-round for the introduction because i could not get my shit together to even (laughs) welcome you to this episode so Part two. Guys, we are jumping into here shortly Us from 2019 by Jordan Peele. I feel like there's so much to say about this movie, which we will say about this movie, that it might be broken up into two parts. We haven't decided yet. We'll sort of go through our normal discussion and see where we end up in about 45 minutes or so and make a decision there. Guys couple of quick housekeeping things we have just crossed the 40 almost the 4500 listen mark for the horror lab which is pretty wild pretty cool yeah it's getting there um got a ton of five-star reviews across the uh, social media platforms or across the streaming platforms um things are are picking up we we sort of hit a a little bit of a plateau that's because my work and life schedule was insanity about a month, a month and a half ago for about a month. And, um, but now that we're pumping out some new episodes, I think things will pick back up as we get towards the end of the year. I'm interested to see what the, uh, 
Spotify for podcasters year wrapped looks like. Mm. Like they give you some some pretty interesting like they've been teasing it on Spotify yeah. like oh it's coming it's coming and every time I, I open it up I'm like hopefully it's here and it's not. But I'm anticipating what our year in review will look like. Hopefully yeah. they deposit a million dollars into our respective bank accounts. That'd be nice. Just as a bonus for like, hey, you guys are awesome. I can pay groceries for about a month with that. I, I could, yeah, I could buy a couple of cartons of eggs. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple of loaves of bread. And that's about it. Because that's about it. inflation is stupid high right now. <laughs> and it's insane. Obnoxious. Oh, Lord. Anyway, so... Guys, if you haven't seen us, before we we jump into our normal synopsis summary, uh, sort of, um, you know, the way we do our episodes, if you haven't seen us, definitely pause the episode here. Absolutely give it a watch or two. Jordan Peele's movies are thickly layered and require multiple viewings most of the time in order to really appreciate the... Uh, Subthemes and subtexts of the movie. This one is definitely a thick movie. So pause us here, watch it, watch it again, maybe a third time, then come back and listen to us. Remember, our goal in the Har Lab is to enhance your listening experience or your your viewing experience, not replace it. Guys, I am not on my A game with my words today. <laughs> and I wonder if it's because I'm really, really like subconsciously nervous about the ghost pepper challenge I'm gonna do later tonight. By the time oh, we do yeah. it, it will have passed. But real quick aside, about a week and a half ago, I lucked into some ghost and habanero peppers. Shout out to my sister-in-law and her husband for hooking me up. But I've been they've just been sitting on my counter for a week because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with them. Well, my daughter had this brilliant idea to promote Really, the the other podcast that I host, The Red Treehouse, but we're going to sort of in, incorporate and infuse some horror lab stuff into it. But she said, you should do a, a like a Hot Ones challenge. Trademark, we're not we're not calling it Hot Ones. I don't need a lawsuit. Please, please forgive me. So we're calling it the Red Hot Treehouse <laughs> Wings Challenge. I made some ghost pepper sauce last night. Guys, while I was making it, boiling the the, the ingredients together, I was choking on the fumes. <laughs> my nose was running like a faucet. My eyes burned and I could feel my soul try to tuck itself into the smallest corner of my body so that it, yeah. <laughs> it didn't float away on me. So that's awful, dude. I, I managed to get like, as I was, as I was scooping it into the bottle, I managed to get some on my knuckle, one of my knuckles. Oh, and so like I, it I burned? it, it burned like a mother. Like it was bad. <laughs> It was bad. And it was like maybe a dime-sized like little drop of ghost pepper sauce. So we'll see. This might be my last episode because I might die tonight by mistake. Dude, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. I'm also not going to do anything stupid. So if it's like way too much, I, I'll stop it. And then yeah, that'll be it. But we'll see. All right, y'all. Us. Chris. Let's let's dive in. What is us about? What do we need to know? It's kind of hard because there's a lot going on. Yeah. I guess simply it's like the Wilsons are a family 
And the plot of the story is that they're attacked by a group of menacing doppelgangers. Yep. That's like base. If you want to go deep into it. So in 1986, Adelaide's with their parents at a boardwalk. Her dad's a drunk. They go into a fun house and she enters. It's a house of mirrors and she encounters a doppelganger. And so we find out that, you know, Adelaide stops speaking. Uh, she withdraws. So 33 years later, Adelaide is married to Gabe and she has two kids, a son, Jason, and a daughter, Zora. And they uh, vacation with their friends, the Tylers, who are pretty wealthy. Josh and Kitty Tyler with their twin daughters, Becca and Lindsay. And so on the way there, they see the bloody body of a man holding a sign identical to the one Adelaide saw on the day she met her doppelganger. And Jason actually sees someone who looks exactly like the man at the beach, uh, right by the uh, the funhouse where you know Adelaide got uh, you know met her doppelganger that night. And so uh, on that night, things go, things take a turn. They find meet their doppelgangers, uh, Pluto, who's Jason's doppelganger. He he has burnt face. There's Ombre, who's uh, Zora's uh, double. Abraham, who's Gabe's doppelganger, and Red, who's Adelaide's doppelganger. And Red's the only one who can speak. And Red speaks in a very guttural, rough, gravelly voice. And Red explains that they're called the Tethers. And they share a soul with their counterparts. And they've, uncom- they've come to untether themselves. And so the doppelgangers pretty much terrorize the Wilsons. And uh, the Tylers, it's crazy because we, we go see the Tylers. And the Tylers are also attacked by doppelgangers, too. And so um, the Wilsons go, they get into a big fight with, with the doppelgangers of the Tylers. And so they eventually kill all of them. And we find out on the news that Tethered have been killing their equivalents across uh, the city. And they subsequently, um, they're joint, uh, forming a massive human chain similar to the one uh, from the Hands Across America demonstration, which we actually see at the very uh, beginning of the movie and the very first scene. Adelaide is watching television and she sees the Hands Across America demonstration, which was to, I think, fight poverty, world hunger and poverty. And so the Wilsons decide to drive to Mexico. And um, as they go to Mexico, they drive by the by the boardwalk again and they see a lot of people dead. Red kidnaps uh, Jason and Adelaide follows them to the funhouse and there's a secret entrance that leads to an underground facility overrun by rabbits. Uh, Red explains that the tethered are actually genetic clones created by, she believes they're um, genetic clones created by the government to control the population. And when the experiment failed, they didn't know what to do for the tethered. So they just left them in the underground and the tethered slowly lost their minds, just consuming rabbit meat. And after the uh, other doppelgangers realized uh, Red was different, Red sort of became like their their leader, their liberation fighter leader. And she spends years organizing to help them figure out a plan to escape and take over the take over the world. And so Red and Adelaide begin to fight, and um, Adelaide ultimately impales Red. And as Red's dying, she uh, whistles. She whispers, whispers a itsy bitsy spider, which I'll get to in a second. But something snaps in Adelaide, and she she strangles and you know snaps 
Red's neck, the killer, and she rescues Jason from a locker. And um, Jason probably saw everything, which is pretty crazy. And as they're driving away in the ambulance, Adelaide realizes that she's actually the tethered clone, and Red was the original Adelaide. And, you know, because she choked Adelaide, it damaged her larynx, resulting in her voice being, you know, really hoarse and raspy. And she trapped her there. And uh, the movie ends with the tethered forming a chain that stretches from the boardwalk. And it just keeps going, and you see smoke rising out of overhead cities. And so it was really cool, just the, the sort of clues that um, Jordan Peele leaves throughout the movie. Like, for example, like Adelaide was whistling the Itsy Bitsy Spider when she was in the funhouse. And um, every time fake Adelaide, uh, the tethered clone, there's like spiders throughout the movie that kind of show that, you know, she's actually the tethered. That's that's what happens. It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's uh I I feel like the the movie if you just watch it like a cursory sort of level like for entertainment, not really looking too deeply into it. It feels like it's just a movie about doppelganger like evil doppelgangers and there's a little bit of a plot twist at the end, you know. But Jordan Peele I <laughs> I feel like his movies are super complex. Yeah. And I noticed some things even after the first watch where I was thinking about it and I went back and I was like, wait a minute, but there were some little breadcrumbs that I noticed along the trail. Like when they're early on in the movie, when they're at the beach and uh, Adelaide says, you know, I'm not really good with words. Yeah. But it's almost like that that's it just it the line seems out of place until you get to the end and you're like, but the tether don't speak. And so <coughs> knowing what we know about the the switching places, it, it really does make good sense that that line is just sort of thrown in there almost randomly, right? And it's it's yeah. it, the line is not super noticeable. It just it was just something that I thought back on, like, wait a minute, there were there were definitely some some little little breadcrumbs along this trail. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I loved it. I I thought I had seen it before I actually saw it. <laughs> and I hadn't. At least I don't remember it. Um, or I didn't remember it. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was terrific. So I, I have a, a bunch of themes in my brain, but I, I don't want to take up all the time talking. So, Chris. What yeah. did you love about this movie? What what and and let's let's do this in comparison to let's say Get Out. Which which one do you find to be the more complex movie? Ooh, that's hard. Yeah, I think this film is more layered. I think. Yeah, I do feel like some of his symbolism is really on the nose. Like for example. Um, where is it? The Hall of Mirrors, you know, your reflection constantly looking at you. There's like a, uh, in the beach, there's a red frisbee over a blue spot on the towel, which makes it seem like it's over, it's like the shadow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes it seem like, you know, perhaps this Adelaide is actually the, you know, the tether. Oh. Um, when the tether first come, 
there's a blue painting with uh, four people in their in the cabin, and one of them is actually red. And so, you know, four family members, one of them is red. How did I not see that? I feel like that would have been noticed. Well, that's good. Hey, go easy on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the grace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I need it. But um, <laughs> but I think thematically, it's just um, it's a lot more complex than Get Out. I feel like his movies are getting more complex. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the theme, like even though I feel like some of the the symbols are really in your face and not subtle, I feel like his um. His themes are he, he he does a pretty good job of just handling complex subjects. Whether it's you know, I feel like social inequities and inequalities are a big thing yeah. in this movie. And I really like Nope. Nope was really cool because it it handles you know trauma and how you commercialize trauma and historical trauma. So I you know this this is a person who who isn't afraid to handle difficult subjects but does them in an artistic way so it's not really in your face he's not super pretentious yeah which i appreciate and so i know will and i we're gonna review titan a french movie um i felt like that was that movie was pretty pretentious but one thing i like about jordan peele is that he's not pretentious when he when he's dealing with difficult subjects he's not trying to make you feel stupid right so I feel like his movies are definitely more complex as they go with each movie. I wonder if that's just the uh, having, you know, the experience and, um, you know, it. he's so, oh, I'm going to regret saying this. He's almost the anti M. Night who, as his movies went on, <laughs> they just got worse. Yeah. And almost like he was fishing for that, that twist ending and, you know that gotcha moment. But I feel like there's something really powerful about embedding messages in super subtle ways that require you to think through it rather than just overtly telling you this is, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, 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 of the three, I, so I didn't care for Nope all that much. <laughs> I, although I, I, I will say I thought it was his most beautiful movie just yeah. the cinematography and the I mean the alien all of it I thought it was a beautifully done movie but I liked I think I liked us the best out of all of them so far um, I feel like it's uh, it's got some rich ideas that are yeah. just really really expressed masterfully. Um, the horror elements are all there. The sort of thriller tension, what the hell's going to happen next? Who the hell are these people are all there? The, um, and then obviously you have the, the sort of twist ending that just is super satisfying. I thought anyway, I thought it was super satisfying the way the movie ended. Um, I also felt like there was there was some some sort of comedic relief throughout the movie, and I, and for me the the comedy, if if there is comedy in the movie, would have been the Hands Across America pledge, because <laughs> it it really in real life 
just turned out to be this massive virtue signaling that went nowhere, right? It was supposed to be this yeah. Americans united across, you know, <laughs> across the US, you know, coast to coast. Everybody's going to hold hands and it it was the kind of campaign that had a lot of like fanfare on the surface, but then underneath there was there was no substance. It didn't yeah. actually do anything. It didn't raise money. It, like it was it was a pointless, useless campaign. I did some reading into it. Yeah. So it raised thirty-four million dollars, but I think half of it went to expenses Which and costs. Which is just wild. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if you uh, and I and I realize, you know, no, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna cushion my thoughts. It's just, it's the kind of campaign that sounds really awesome and really like profound, but really is just a waste of time. And if you raise $30 million and more than half of it goes to your operating expenses, well then you're not really left with a whole lot. Especially yeah. when you're, when your campaign is to fight poverty and hunger. Like, I don't know. So I, I thought the, the comedy of, if there was any point of dark comedy, it was using the hands across America as sort of this, uh, this statement to say, hey, virtue signaling doesn't actually accomplish anything in terms of advancing society or progressing society, which I felt like were major themes in the film, um, which we can yeah. talk about here in a sec. But anyway, that w- that I, I appreciated that. I, I feel like there there needs to be more honest reflection about the well-intended things that just don't measure up yeah. at the end. You know, they sort of they sort of just sort of fade away into obscurity, but they really can be lessons learned if people are willing to look at them honestly and say, hey, this was this didn't go well. We shouldn't have done this or we next time we need to do this or whatever it is. So I I don't know. I feel like putting the magnifying glass on things like that is I, I appreciate it. Um Chris, what did you think of themes? You know, kind of building off what you were just saying about the virtue signaling, um, I I think there's a point about um, the fact that the first time we saw Hands Across America or whenever it's mentioned um, on TV, it, it it just does seem kind of performative. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, performative is the right so, word. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's just entertainment, right? And you know, the fact that um, they create the entrance to one of the entrance to the underground is a is a house of fun. Yeah, I, I think it, it kind of goes to show that maybe Jordan Peele is suggesting that we think helping people is something that makes us feel good. Yeah, but it doesn't actually help the other person, and so. Um, that's something I thought was really interesting uh, because, you know, the Tether, they, they, they created inversion of Hands Across America, right? Because uh, uh, the first Hands Across America in 1986, it didn't even actually go from coast to coast. Um, apparently, there was actually enough people to actually make it happen, but they didn't stand up, uh, apart enough. And so... It's so like that's so basic. It seems to me like hey, if you're gonna do this, like you need to make sure that we do the basic things right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so, yeah, in a way, they actually end poverty, right? Because um, they, they take over the world. Um, but do they really end poverty? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, it did make me think about the Martin Luther King quote. Um, a right is the language of the unheard. And what what is it America has failed to hear? Um, um, I also thought it was interesting. Um, Adelaide's entire character, um, I think I read this online, is rooted in forgetting. Ooh. And um, yeah, yeah. And when as she becomes more... Uh, she starts remembering more of her about her past. Adelaide becomes more violent and she becomes more tethered. Yeah. And so I, I guess another big um, theme that's connected to the idea of uh, performative virtue signaling is this privilege. Uh, <clears throat> because, you know, we notice that none of the tether can speak, but circumstances <laughs> show that given the right upbringing, the right resources the tether can speak to and so mm. because um you know we live in a country where you know people still believe you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps right but the fact is that you know a lot of people have the bad luck of living being born in the wrong zip code being born in the uh, with the wrong parents and then you just um you're just not given the right opportunities. You know, people always say, you know, I believe in equal opportunity, not e- equal outcomes. But the fact is, not everyone does get equal uh, opportunities. Right. And so I thought For that sure. was a big theme. Uh, I, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts. And I don't know that they are all cohesive. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just try my best with the English that I know. And we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Um, man... I, f- I feel like the movie really does deal with the issue of privilege quite a bit. I mean, throughout yeah. and and something you said uh, a, a minute or two ago about, you know, uh, America's mantra or unspoken mantra is, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but like poverty, uh, at least in the, you know, I, I work every day with, with a population that would be considered, you know, underprivileged, um, you know, Definitely on the lower economic scale, right? And um, I will say, man, it's not for lack of hard work. You know, it, so many of the folks that I that I work with, that I that I interact with day to day, week to week, month to month, they're working two and three jobs just to just to survive, right? We're not even talking to live. They're just they're just barely making it in some cases. And it's not because they're lazy. It's not because, you know, and so I feel like the movie really deals with that issue or at least approaches the issue of privilege is sometimes unearned. Yeah. It's not as if you just worked so hard and this is what your end result is because not everybody who works so hard ends up in the same place or has the same opportunities. And, um, I don't know. I also felt like on the opposite end, if, if on one end you have privilege, like unearned privilege, you also have a sense of like unjust suffering. Like there's sometimes there is no rhyme or reason for why people suffer the way they do, you know? Yeah. And it seems like folks that, that would be considered underprivileged or on the, on the lower end of the economic scale, right. That they, they suffer in significant ways that are not due to their own doing. Right. 
So I don't know. I yeah. felt like there was some, some messaging there. Um, oh man. Is, does the movie deal, do you think the movie deals with the issue of like the haves and the have nots? Like you have the up, upper world, you know, who yeah. are the haves and the underworld, the tethered who are the have nots. Do you see that? I think so. Um, I think even with, even in the, uh, upper world, um, you know, something Gabe keeps talking about is just how well, how much wealthier the Tylers are than they are. Yeah. Um, and so I remember he said, you know, Tyler got a new car just to fuck with me. Um, his wife, um, gets plastic surgery just to look a year younger. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, um, <laughs> when, um, the doppelgangers come, the tethered come and, you know, Gabe keeps trying to make them go away. It was like, Hey, do, do you want what's in my wallet? And <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a very layered, um, portrayal of the have and have nots because even when, um, even when people have a lot of privilege, they, they think they have, they, they're have nots, but you know, there, there's a whole world where we, you know, purposely just, you know, intentionally close our eyes to you because we don't want to sure. deal with it. Oh, that's good. It is by using the, uh, the framework of have and have nots, right. Is, is he also addressing the issue of, let's say, right. Systematic injustice or systematic op- oppression. Um, the, you know, because we hear it all the time, right. The rebuttal for against systematic oppression and injustice as well. You know, laws have changed and, you know, times have changed and progress has been made. And, you know, where we are now is not where we were 50 or 60 or 70 years ago, hundred years ago. Right. And it's almost on this like macro level that people approach the con, you know, they bring their arguments against the concept of injustice and oppression to say like, it doesn't exist because we don't see it in government or wherever it is. Right. But I feel like the movie sort of brings the, we get the the view of the forest down at ground level at the micro level where it's like, Hey, systematic oppression is not just in the big things, but it's also in the ways that people think and interact with each other, interact sometimes with themselves. So like using, using, um, the Tyler's as the, as the example, right? She, she gets, she gets plastic surgery. She gets a facelift, right. To make herself appear younger, right. To, to sort of, restore her beauty that kind of thing but then her tethered has scars on her face yeah and it's almost like hey the decisions that she makes in the upper world for herself unbeknownst to her have ramifications even consequences yeah the in the right to the tethered the people that she doesn't even know exist yeah what is it you know what what are those actions how do how do our actions, how do our decisions, how do the things we do and not do affect the people that we don't know or don't encounter and assume yeah. that it just that this is my life. I'm going to do what I want. So I, I wonder if the movie uses that have have nots idea as a framework to really talk about the concept of injustice. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, man, um, because, you know, just the idea of being tethered, being connected. Um, just you know, there's a lot of uh, 
symbols of like perfect symmetry, you know, like um, the mirrors, they're, you know, when they're on the beach, they cast long shadows, the scissors. Um, It just makes me, uh, reminds me of a conversation that, um, that I was having with a friend, you know, you know, we were talking about just materialistic access because, you know, we were talking about, you know, there are people who have like multiple Rolexes. They have like, you know, lots of designer stuff. Yeah. So, you know, especially if you're, if you're coming from a faith context, you know, where do you kind of draw the line? And so my friend said, you know, as long as you're not hurting someone, I think it's okay. But the truth is, you know, especially in a capitalistic econ- global capitalistic economy, yeah, where you, you know you you want supply to meet demand and everything's connected, all the decisions you make do impact people. And so, whether you know you you constantly want the new iPhone, and Apple's constantly meet, um, you know, their factories in China are like messed up. You know, pe- yeah, people are constantly trying to you know die by suicide there. Our actions here have ripple effects across the world. And, you know, you learn about, you know, what it takes to get frozen shrimp delivered to your, to your grocery store. There are people who are enslaved on, on boats in Thailand who who are fishing. And so, yeah, I, I, I think just the idea of have and have nots, especially when you can't see them. Um, I, I think this movie is doing a really good job because, you know, um, you know, as we were talking about before, just the, uh, the idea of privilege is, is the privilege of forgetting and choosing what you don't want to see and what you don't want to act upon. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's there, but I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I'm with you for sure. Um, and I felt like it was a leading question. (laughs) 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 I set it up with the question, but I think you're right, man. So like a few years ago. Uh, my wife and I, we took a series of trips to uh, to Macau, China, and uh, and Hong Kong. And um, as as part of you know our time there, we had a chance to 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 see some of the uh, like the sweatshops that that folks work in. And yeah, um, I, I you know you could read a CNN article about you know slave labor in in other parts of the world and that kind of thing. But seeing it up close is very different than reading about it, uh, you know, yeah. on a Tuesday morning with your morning cup of coffee kind of thing. And, um, you know, these, these were women who, who were in indebted to, you know, to their employers or their, their owners in yeah. that sense. Right. Um, they worked 12 to 16 hour days, you know, massive, massive health problems because of, you know, the, the working conditions and high rates of, you know, mental health struggles and, you know, depression, suicide, that kind of thing. And so it, it was just a very, it was, it was very different than what what you would read about here. And there is a privilege even in, in acknowledging that, right. And in, in recognizing, Hey, like that's what they experience. This, you know, I experienced something very different. Um, but I, I, f- I feel like the movie does a good job of not just making the tethered invisible to where the, the only time you see them is when they make themselves known. But I also feel like the movie does a really fantastic job of using voice as metaphor. Yeah. Where the tether don't have a voice. I mean, very literally, right? They, they can't yeah. speak. Whereas the, in the upper world, right? Everyone has a voice 
you know, and, and obviously there's some nuance there to extent of voice influence of voice, that kind of thing. But for it, it really have and have nots really to me just became a picture of what it, what it's, what it's like to be in a marginalized, you know, community. Um, yeah. The tethered are, are a marginalized community with no, they, they don't even have something as simple that we take for granted, like the sun and the sky overhead. Do you see what I'm saying? And so like, yeah, where we have the privilege of complaining and bitching about the weather, the tethered who are underground don't see the light of day. They, they don't even have that as a, as a marginalized community. They don't even have access to that. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, and it's not even that they can have, they don't even have the voice to complain and bitch and moan about it. And so yeah. I, I feel like the nuance of, 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 of using voice or a lack of voice, right. Of having a voice was just so damn well done in the film, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it almost makes me think about even just their behavior too, because, you know, I did NGO work and, um, with faith organizations and something that people always complain about, you know, especially when you work with extremely poor uh, communities, mm. is that, yeah, you, you might see people you work with, employees lie, they might steal, and they're like, you know, we're, we're helping you. Why are you acting in this, like, it's almost like you're ungrateful. Right. And so I remember one of my friends said, and, you know, um, you know people might push back on this. Um but in order to survive in a really poor neighborhood, there are just certain sk- skills and behaviors you develop to survive. So sure. whether that's stealing or lying. And so just because you're helping them doesn't mean you need them to be morally compliant sure. to your ethics. And I thought that was pretty eye-opening um, because, you know, I think Jordan Peele does a very interesting job where, you know, you you definitely feel for the tethered at the end. And, you know, when people who are oppressed violently fight back, a lot of people will wonder, you know, what is the reason for this violence? But you have to think, you know, because you so violently oppress them, sometimes the response might meet or reenact the force that they you know, they've experienced too. And so that, yeah. I mean, that's a really complicated thing to talk about. And, it is. you know, it, it's uh, pretty relevant to what's been going on around in the world. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, you know, just even the, the, um, the symbols of the, of the cages and the rabbits in the cages, uh, it made me think about even, you know, the way we, you know, test on animals and we experiment on them and we cut them up medical experiments and everything it's pretty messed up yeah and so the fact that you know that these people are trying to break free from the cages and fighting back it it does make you pause and wonder if if we did anything to deserve this and i think it even goes back to the jeremiah verse at the beginning of the movie that keeps showing up yeah jeremiah 11 11 which reads therefore said the lord behold i will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape though shall Though they shall cry unto me, and I will hearken unto them, and so there, there is like sort of a vengeance component. It almost borders theology too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but um, did you did you think there was like any theology in this movie? I, I did. So, uh, and I, it's a it's a thing I've been thinking about for a for a long time, for probably a couple of years, even apart from from the movie 
Um, it's the concept that I, I can best determine how to help and love someone else. So like, you know, we have this, this, you know, we've talked about Chris, Chris and I, I was a pastor. Chris is, Chris is a pastor. And, um, you know, we, we both have faith backgrounds. There's, there's sort of this generic instruction, right? To, to love your neighbors as yourself. <laughs> and there's a lot of discussion and debate on what that means and what it doesn't mean and this and that. But as I've started to sort of process through that idea, what that, what that looks like tangibly, I'm finding that so often my conception of love and help and assistant, assistance and compassion towards another person shouldn't necessarily be dictated by my own preferences or morals or values or ethics. Right. And I realize there's a, even that's a nuanced kind of discussion, but it's sort of like, um, you know, if, if someone's hungry and they come to you and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm starving. Like, you know, do you have any food? And you say, well, you know, no, but I, I have good wishes for you. Like, I hope you find some food. Like they go away hungry. You go away self-satisfied. Like, yeah, like I encourage them to find food and to continue. And do you see what I'm saying? And so like, yeah. for me, that, that might feel, I might feel satisfied in that, that, you know, I did my good deed because like I encouraged someone today, but the context of that encouragement is actually cruelty. When you consider the fact that that person came to me with a need and instead of meeting the need where I could have, I just sent them away to find it somewhere else. So I, I feel like the movie maybe touches on the concept a little bit that not, not all help is help is not a generic thing. It's not a universal thing. It's not something that's, we agree on, we all agree on what, what that is. Same thing with love, right? And so naturally when people feel like they're not cared for in the ways that they have need, there is a rebellion. There is a, cer a certain uprising that, that takes place, you know, um, movie tropes. We see it all the time. Like the white savior complex. I, I, the, the most like egregious movie, which I enjoyed the movie is Sicario where Emily Blunt, also, Daniel Kaluuya is in it, which he's terrific in yeah. just about everything he does. But she plays this uh, this this FBI agent who wants to do everything by the book the right way, right? That like that's her thing. I'm going to do this the letter of the law, and um, she's confronted with these characters that want to do things in the most expedient way possible, which is outside the letter of the law. And so it seems like there's this conflict between you know her character and her superiors, but then. She is the white savior that wants to save like brown people from their third world, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. so, and like, I realize it's a movie and, but, but so often, right. That's, that's how it is. I have this standard of what I'm going to do. I'm going to force that on you. You're going to accept it, be grateful for it. And how dare you. Re revolt or rebel or refuse it. Right. I don't know. I, I feel like there's some of that here. Um, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of hero, um, this is, it was like, it passed by really slowly, uh, really quickly. But um, I, I noticed, yeah, you know, in the fun house, it's called Merlin's forest later on in the movie, but in 1986, it's actually called shaman's vision quest. Oh. And um, as as Adelaide is going into the movie, uh, into the, the fun house, um, 
was um it says there's like uh that sign that says find yourself yeah and um there's a recording there's a narration talking about how uh the god um I think I'm gonna butcher his name. So Tuknang, he creates Spider Woman, and um, he says, "Look all about you, Spider Woman. Here now is endless space, but in the world there is no joyful movement." And so, um, you know, the theme of spiders keeps coming out throughout yeah. the movie. And so, Spider Woman or Spider Grandmother is a mythological being in Native American mythology or uh, oral traditions, and she's pretty much a uh, a messenger of the creator who's supposed to, you know, help with the creation of the world. And so it, uh, it makes me, it made me wonder, and I might, you know, <clears throat> I might be going to outer space, you know, <laughs> using those <laughs> words. So I wonder You'll meet if me there. you'll meet me there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if red is, you know, the original Adelaide is like, um, like a savior figure, like a Jesus figure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, she's pretty much kind of like almost like recreating the world, you know, taking it apart and bringing it back together again by making the tethered come up. Um, Interesting. Or I wonder if, you know, um, the fake, you know, fake Adelaide um, yeah. sort of becomes, she has a choice of becoming a Jesus figure or not. I'm not sure because huh. it's interesting because she's like tethered but also human. Um, this is really interesting. And so I don't know what, your, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I can definitely, I can definitely see it. I will say that my only, I took the, the, the rebranding from shaman's vision quest to Merlin's forest as sort of, um, almost like a, a tip of the cap, but like this tongue in cheek tip of the cap to a, another sort of, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, like progress also sort of virtue signaling, like, yeah, oh, well we can't make an yeah, erasure. Yeah. We, we can't like yeah. our, our conception of, you know, native Americans is, is built on stereotype. And so we, we can't, we've progressed where we can't, we can't do that anymore. And so yeah. we we're rebranding, right? We're we're making progress, but they still have like yeah, yeah, yeah. They still have a totem pole out front, and so <laughs> it's it's still like <laughs> it's still virtue signaling because it's like yeah, we yeah. we see look we oh, that's care a good about point. yeah we care about cultural sensitivity, but like not you know not really yeah. just on the surface level. So I don't know. I took it as this uh, this tip of the cap to that like progress is way more than just what you see on the surface. It's a deeper, which obviously, you know, you go into the, the, the fun house and there's a whole tunnel system underneath, but you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I hadn't thought about Adelaide as almost, cause if you think about it, the way you, you framed it at the end of your statement, it almost seems like she's a half, half human, half God. Yeah. Sort of like a, like a G, you know, a Jesus figure in a sense, right? where she has influence in both worlds. Yeah. You know, and, um, that's, I, that's really interesting. And I don't think it's outer space. I think that's like upper that's atmosphere, good. But that's good. <laughs> but that's good. It's, it's a good, it's a really yeah. good thought provoking idea. Um, 
because the movie does have theological undertones. Yeah, his movies know. tend to. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't think he really makes his like spiritual beliefs very clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even with like um, even with Nope, it, it almost seems like it's like the 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 beast. Yeah. You know? Oh man, there's a super cynical side of me that's about to. I'm like trying to stuff down, but like I'll just bring it out. Oh, bring it out. Oh man, bring oh, it man. out. <laughs> so like taking taking theological themes into account or possible. Like I will end up in outer space here, just so you know. Okay, I'm I'm piloting this uh, this rocket ship right now, and uh, I I don't know. My thought was. At a, at a again a surface level, not looking too deeply into the movie, if we want to take it in terms of theology, it could really be an issue of, hey, you know, people put on their best face up front, but down below, like there's some some really unsavory, unsightly things, unseemly things that need to be, you know, that are just raring to show themselves, and yet, so I I don't know, I, I feel like. I don't like to go there unless the movie is like overtly that. Yeah. But there is, there is a part of me that also feels like the movie deals with the duality of human beings. Oh yeah. That there is the, this is who we are in public, right? Or maybe this is who we are when people are watching, but then there's this hidden part of us that, is tucked way down and only under certain circumstances or certain instances, does it, does it, do they rear it's, you know, does it rear its ugly head in that sense Yeah, and show itself and reveal itself. But then I don't, I don't know because then, you know, the fight in the movie then becomes to not just to, to survive, but also to go back to suppressing the tether, yeah. right? It's not just about survival, them making it out of the house alive. It's also about how do we destroy the, you know, these people, the, these, you see what I'm saying? And so it yeah, almost yeah, feels yeah. like this, this statement on duality that we have this, these uh, competing natures or competing wills or competing faces, if you will. I don't know. I don't think that's a cynical take. I could see it because, you know, in a way, Adelaide kind of fake Adelaide finishes job when, you know, you find out that. Um, tethered Adelaide tries to choke real Adelaide to death and then she finally you know kills Adelaide at the end of the movie yeah finishing what she started and so I could I could totally see that I I, f- I feel cynical that's why I say it, it- <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely like the intent behind my statements is pure cynicism like you know because I, I don't know, man, like I, I get, and it's a battle, I guess we all fight in, in different ways, you know, to different extents, yeah. like, you know, what, what carefully constructed face am I going to put on for people today, you know, yeah. um, versus am I hedging my terms or couching my terms because I, you know, I don't want people to know what I'm really thinking or what I'm really feeling. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. And, and in that case, oh, I don't even want to make this statement out loud. But in that case, there there is a there is a part of us that we nope. I'm not going to say it. Continuing don't on, just say it. No, because I I don't I don't know that I like I don't like the phrasing of it. 
but okay. I don't like it. So help me, help me, help me. Okay. Help me work through it. There's almost a part of it where it feels like we at times can marginalize ourselves in the ways that we interact with others. And I know from trauma that there's a real part of hurt people hurting people. And so if we, if there are parts of us that are left unhealed and there are for all of us, if we're not careful, those unhealed parts can do the work of oppression outwardly. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I still don't like the framing and the phrasing of that, but that's the concept I'm trying to get across. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. There it is. That's my, that's my thought. (laughs) That'd be a good place to end the episode. (laughs) Man. Try to kind of, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to like what goes around comes around, right? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. 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 So I I think there is an innate sense of justice that kind of weaves throughout this film. Um, like, you know, the fact that uh, the government supposedly created the tether to control the population. Yeah. Um, you know, when you uh, experiment on animals um, to, you know, to make products that, you know, to on medicine and, and um, beauty products. Yeah. When, you know, you do these things, it's, it's going to come back to get you. Yeah. And so, yeah, just that duality of, of, yeah, there, there's part of me that, you know, is nonviolent, but you know, if, if you hurt someone I love, like you're, you're going to get these hands. Um, I, I think that duality, duality lives in all of us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I tell people all the time, like I do my best to err on the side of like compassion and empathy for people. Yeah. Try to understand, but there are just some things where if you push the wrong button, I have to be really mindful because like, bring me the smoke. I want all the smoke. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and it's not that I'm, um, and I, I'm, I'm sure most people also fight that. I'm sure most people are not prone to violence that way or prone to, to, to aggression towards, you know, towards yeah. others. But I, I also feel like there's enough of a tug of war that push someone far enough and they're not left with much choice. And I think that's it. I think it's the issue of we say people have choices, but sometimes people are pushed to such a degree that they don't or they feel like they don't have a choice. And at that point, the survival instinct kicks in. Yeah. Right. And they do what yeah. needs to happen in order to maintain survival. That's a really complex, complicated thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. God, like, so, so I guess my, here's my thought, like attached to that, the, the, the idea of like duality and that, you know, what do we do? The movie on the surface would frame the tethered as the evildoers, the wrongdoers, the antagonists, right? The villains. But is that the case? Do you, do you think that's the case? I don't I don't think so cuz okay. um there's a there's a line 
that Red says, you know, as she's fighting Adelaide in the underground, if if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have learned to dance at all. Huh. Um, it, it almost, you know, going back to like the Messiah, um, the theme, Savior theme, it, it's almost like Red chooses agency and she gives the idea of agency to the tether too. Um, so, it, yeah, it seems like the real bad guys are the people on, on the surface. Hmm. But it only becomes I'm, apparent I'm if you. you're willing to put yourself in their shoes. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think if the movie is dealing with the issue of, you know, oppression and marginalized communities and, you know, the haves and have nots and those kinds of, of ideas, then I, I think, I think so. I think the upper world folks are the larger villains of the two, you know, and the tethered, despite their violence, are maybe the the tragic figures in the movie once yeah. you understand the context of who they are and what what they're about you know the tether sort of reminded me of my own toddler um, <laughs> toddlers don't move naturally they don't <laughs> they grunt they like make strange animals like ah, ah you know um <laughs> so <laughs> these you know these people are feral and so you know you you can't treat them with the same sort of um uh, sort of ethics that you would for someone who's been indoctrinated in sure. a society right and sure. so and um speaking of duality i also uh it, it reminds me of you know michael jackson actually plays a big uh it's a yeah. big like visual motif for the thriller and the yeah. gloves. Yeah. Um yeah, I I think I read Jordan Peele say he Michael Jackson was like the patron saint of duality. Interesting. Because oh, he really had a public persona and he, he was very different uh privately and we didn't really know who he was. Yeah. That's interesting. My Michael Jackson tidbit on top of that. So apparently his singing voice, that high sort of falsetto, you know, almost impossible to replicate voice was actually not his real voice. Apparently he had a very deep bassy voice that was very, very different. Almost, almost to the point where I've seen like TikTok reels where it's like, listen to Michael Jackson's real voice and like <laughs> be afraid. Like it's so bassy, so deep, but that's obviously not how his you know, he performed. And so I, I, I can definitely appreciate it. And another, a little, another little nugget. Um, I have middle school boys and they too don't move naturally. They also <laughs> grunt and like, we, we're constantly telling them, you guys look like zombies right now. Cause they'll, yeah. they'll like, we'll be walking in the grocery store and then they'll just start doing the gritty or some, some Fortnite emote dance. That's like, if anybody didn't know what that was, like most people don't, I don't know what they would assume, you know? But then like my son <laughs> yesterday, last night, he, they had basketball tryouts and practice all, all last week. 
he was just sitting down and all he was doing was uh, <laughs> for like 30 seconds, man. And I look over and I'm like, dude, you realize you're just moaning. You're not doing yeah. anything other than. So, you know, toddlers to teenagers, there's not much difference. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it goes back to the title, right? Us. <laughs> Us. We're all like that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there are t- I'm sure there are times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh. Yeah, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then I try to get up from the couch or from the the recliner. I'm like, all my bones are cracking, and I'm like, just trying to you know stand up straight, and move in a straight line. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's all just us. Yeah, uh, us. <laughs> Chris, we're we're an hour in. Do you do you want to do a part two? Oh man, uh, I feel like we can talk about it for like maybe another fifteen minutes because okay. there are so many clues in this movie let's do it all right so after some back and forth deliberating which really wasn't very long we are gonna divide this into a mini episode for part two so there's probably 15 to 20 minutes more discussion some easter eggs i i my brain drew a blank apart from the ones that we had already talked about and i know there's a million more so that'll give me a chance to research a little bit more Um, but we're gonna come at you with part two of us and as a bonus we're going to make it a full episode and do part two of the whaling which we reviewed and discussed in episode four in fact that episode was pre-chris as a co-host it was the first episode chris he was a guest he was a guest a guest on it and um i think like within a week of that episode i was like dude Let's just do this. <laughs> and so the rest is history. Hey, very appreciated. Yes. So we're going to come at you. Next episode will be part two of us and part two of The Wailing. If you haven't seen The Wailing, absolutely go watch it. It's one of the few movies that was outside of my top 25 that moved right into the top 10. Well worth it. And it may move up even more after I watch it today ahead of. I think it's like. I think it's like number two on my all-time favorite I, it list. It is, it and it's it's terrific. Yeah. It's really, really, really terrific. So definitely watch it and then uh, tune in as we dive back into it in a couple days. All right, y'all. As always, we appreciate you listening. We don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. Be sure to follow, like, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify and Apple Podcasts seem to be the two biggest. And follow us on social media. Be sure to follow, like, and leave us that five-star review, guys. They count. And we will catch you next time in the Har Lab. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.